Welcome to After the Show, your weekly movie podcast brought to you by A. Scully and Sid Talk. We're addicted to movies. Are you? Good afternoon, Sid Talk. Good afternoon, audience. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm well. What's the before the after the show discussion, Sid Talk, before we start? Mm, it was a... Mm, mm, <laughs> I'll say, we looked up a little bit about the connection between this movie and the mother movies, we'll call them. Yes. <laughs> the originals. We didn't really talk much. You asked me what's for supper, which we'll discuss later. This is marriage, everyone. Even if you inject a really exciting podcast... Just companionship with a few conversations. <laughs> Which is very is that nice. how you define I marriage? <laughs> I love it. So Sid Talk, welcome to After the Show. Thanks. And, and? it's the first one of the new year, 2024. It is. I so. mean, some people would have listened to the last one on Monday, which would have been, or this week, which would have been the first one they heard. But Correct. this is the first one we're doing. So but we didn't record that in 2024. Correct. So welcome the new year. We'll see what happens. Welcome. So welcome to the show. After the show, your weekly movie podcast is Saturday, January the 6th. After the show number 820. This week, we're looking at a new movie called The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. It's a 2023 release out now on Blu-ray 4K from Lionsgate. It's PG-13. Sid Talk, can you give me the synopsis of The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes? Mm, prequel to The Hunger Games. I'll give you the but one. Off, bum. <laughs> I'll give you the one off the box, which isn't actually much better than yours, to be fair. <laughs> it says, Cory, how do you say this guy's name? Coriolanus. Is that right? I'm not looking at it, but I know what you're talking Coriolanus about. Coriolanus Snow mentors and develops feelings for the female District 12 tribute during the 10th Hunger Games. That's it. Right. So it isn't much better than It's yours. sort of the origin story of Coriolanus. There you go. Snow, who is... Snow. Snow. He's not John Snow. <laughs> Maybe they're related. Who the hell knows, I mean, Tyrion right? Lannister's in this movie. <laughs> So I just have to say, say by start, start out by saying, I do not approve of this message. Even if I enjoy, or if it's good, it, it's irrelevant. The quality of any movie that is a prequel, I find it the concept is boring because we all know what's going to happen. I think it's lazy, and it is the definition of cash cowing. Right. Right. There, I've just said it now. Even if I enjoy this movie, which I did, even if I enjoy any movie that tells me the origin story of some other character I've seen, like Star Wars or any shit like that. Oh, yeah. Or I know, you know, if you know or the- Star Trek. Star Trek doesn't have that. It has origin stories, doesn't it, in those TV shows? Not really. Discovery. Oh, we're going, yes, yes. Yeah. But there's no end to Star Trek. I'm going to defend Star Trek because right, there's well, no end. You can't. That's hypocritical. <laughs> well, there's no end to that, though. That's not a contained story. Okay. Star Trek is notoriously just weirdness of the week kind of thing with some big arcing stories, but none of them are wholly together. It's just the story of Alpha Quadrant and the Galaxy-ish. So I'm going to defend that one. 
just so you know. We can see where your loyalties lie. <laughs> yes, Star Trek, <laughs> for sure. But because we all know what's going to happen 65 years from now, I find that a boring place to start. And yet, I can honestly admit that I enjoyed this movie. Digging into a person's motivations or a character's motivations, even if it's a little bit lazy, which we'll get mm-hmm. to, I always like to understand the villain or the big main characters, right? Because that's what we are. We're human. Yeah. It's better to understand. Even if you're an asshole, I want to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And then if you deserve to eat a poison flower 65 years from now, spoiler alert, that's what's going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) The young version of Snow, if you don't know, and you've seen the other Hunger Games and you're like, who is Snow? It's the guy that is the bad guy. Donald Donald Sutherland. Sutherland, yeah. Who um, is in the movie? All president three Snow. He's the president of Panam. Panam. I just want to call it Pangea. You can call it that if you want. Okay, I'll call it Pangea. Right. I don't like being incorrect, so no, I'll call it Panam. <laughs> in the future, sixty-five years in the future. So this is his upcoming. And interestingly, I liked this movie, and I would say liked, not loved. Okay. And I really loved the Hunger Games. You know, the original ones. You had also read them. Also read the books. Yep. Did not read this prequel, though. I'm glad I didn't, really, because this movie would have been spoiled for me, wouldn't it? I mean, that depends on how you look at it. What I didn't like so much is, even though this movie is nearly three hours, it still felt rushed. I did at times, yes. Yeah. I agree. The Hunger Games comes upon you. I, wasn't, I was like, oh, is this the Hunger Games? They went into that room. I thought there was going to be like a press conference and then they all started running at each other. I was like, oh shit. Well, no, because we're we're only on the 10th Hunger Games here, right. so they haven't refined it. And also this movie isn't about the Hunger Games. No. It's about this I mean, guy. This movie's split into three sections. It actually has chapter cards. I, what I really liked about it is they're very different. Even though it's the same story, they're, it's a different vibe in each section. Oh, I didn't feel like it was at all. Especially the third section where it goes out into the districts. I disagree. I don't think the cards meant anything to me. In fact, I forget what they were called. It was just a little weird device that didn't work. One was called the tribute. One was called, I can't remember. Yeah. So to me, they were just like, "Mm, whatever. I didn't really feel that they affected anything. So that's interesting that you did. But if you liked the Hunger Games part, which is, if you've never seen the Hunger Games, children fighting each other to the death. Oh yeah, we didn't tell we didn't tell them the premise. If no. you've never heard of the Hunger Games. You might have not seen it. It's a land where after a war many years ago, well by the time we get to Hunger Games original books, right? Mm-hmm. The government of the victor victorious uh military regime invent a way to keep the districts which are like states here or like do you have regions in the UK, you know, like Yeah. To keep them all in line and keep them producing all of the raw resources that the big capital city needs, they keep them in fear and squashed by having an annual hunger games because they keep them all starved. And then they pick a child between like five years old and 15 years old, 16 years old, maybe. Yeah. From each district, they have to fight it out. The victor, then their district gets the benefit. And I'm not sure the logic of if we don't have this, everything falls apart no. because they're already a totalitarian regime. They have 
soldiers everywhere. They will bomb your city. They they have soldiers everywhere to like just hang you from a tree if you steal or do something wrong. So I'm not sure why the Hunger Games are part of the suppression anymore. They revel in in the big capital city is watching the Hunger Games. It's like a big fancy. It's a reality game show. Yeah, reality game show. And it makes a lot of money and it gets a lot of attention. And the city people are sort of portrayed as like this lavish, lazy, overindulged, fancy people who have nothing better to do than to watch children murder each other. And they get bored with it. So they have to change things every year. And so that's like the premise of why, as in millions of other stories, we need a rebellion. Right? Yes. There has to be a rebellion against the oppression. And so that's the real heart of this story. One thing I had forgotten about The Hunger Games, even though it's a PG-13 movie, how actually brutal the idea is. And this movie portrays it, I think. Yeah. Especially when they bring the contestants to the city and then the train that they're on tips up and shoves them all in the zoo. And they're in the zoo, in, yeah. in basically in a cage, so people from the city can come and look at them. Yeah, these are children <laughs> from the district. Who are starving also. <laughs> oh yeah, they're all starving. Yeah, the Hunger Games. I'm just, I'm just, let's go back to the point where you're only just now thinking about how brutal this idea is. It, <laughs> that no, children are fighting to the death. I knew it was brutal. It just brought it back up on me. I'm like, oh wow, yeah, this isn't messing around. There's people. Oh yeah, they didn't shy away from it. I don't know how it could be PG-13. I mean, there's not a lot of blood, I suppose. There's no, no but sex the idea is Yeah, but why is it PG-13? PG-13 for the violence, I guess. No, I mean, why is it only a PG-13? Oh, are you thinking it should be more? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a jaded American. We're used to R-rated being all kinds of shit and crazy shit and PG-13. But just thinking about it, other than the fact that someone at some meeting said, well, I mean, this is about children after all. <laughs> right. So we have to make it PG-13 so the little ones can watch. Yeah, they can watch the each yeah. murder each other. It's kind of bizarre. Throats get cut. Yeah, what's the standard here? Things get stabbed through people. Yeah, it's pretty... Yeah, what is the standard? On the side of PG-13, there is no sex in it. Aye. Right, so if it True. had, like, a sex scene, then... I was fully expecting a sex scene at some point. Oh, why? But this movie didn't go there, did it? It has nothing to do I with... I thought there was going to be a love story. Interpersonal relationships. Yeah, but I Too thought, deep, I mean. thought there might have been a love story, and I didn't know this part of the book, and I thought maybe a, a child would be conceived. I don't know. I was oh, thinking are you making it. up a bunch of shit there? Well, you know, That's I, I've, seen enough, <laughs> I've seen enough movies to know that things like that would happen, you know? Got to carry on the lineage, right? This may be why you should have read the book. Then you wouldn't be so disappointed. <laughs> that, or maybe in the book there is, I don't know. Yeah, so the Hunger Games portion of this movie is the middle bit, but it seemed rushed. Like it was over before, it was over very quickly. It must have lasted an hour because the movie's nearly three hours. Hmm. But it didn't feel like an hour. See, I kind of like the Hunger Games part, and less so the kind of broody part. Okay, I disagree. Because the Hunger Games, it's, it's. I mean, I'm being blasé like the people of the big capital city. Like, we get it. Children are going to run around. They're going to hunt somebody down. One of them is going to be an exceptional asshole, which we have in this group. A couple of them, like murderous teenagers mm -hmm. who basically want to win obviously for their district but they sort of seem to take some relish in the murdering of other children 
And that's it. I mean, there's nothing more interesting about it. Plus, this is an arena in the future, in the movies we've already seen. It's out in the nature. They've just built like a holographic dome over a big, huge landmass. But here, it's literally inside an arena where anything else probably happens, sports and music and all kinds of Small, really, yeah. Yeah. So to me, I was like, "Eh, are we getting, are we really going to do a Hunger Games? Because I felt like that was kind of a waste of time, I'll be honest. Well, I'm on the other side. I just want to see kids kill each other and all the broody part. You're not supposed to say those things in front of company and the people listening are our company. Don't say that shit. That's my inner voice saying (laughs) Yeah. And it just became your outer voice. (laughs) Sorry, did I say that out loud? I didn't mean that. (laughs) Movie Um, children, fictional movie children. Yes, I enjoy watching the movie children okay. rip each other apart. That's my favorite part. The end. <laughs> yeah. I liked um, how The Hunger Games was on this smaller level, and I liked how it was presented with this. It was the first year they had a presenter for it. This is the 10th. It's the 10th year The Hunger Games has happened. Yeah, so we have to describe, too, in this movie, they're live streaming it, basically, is what we're going to yeah. say. It's live on TV for all the districts and everyone to watch because the cities. In the big city, everyone loves it and they donate money and the government gets money, I'm assuming, from this. And then in the districts, it's just to strike fear in the hearts of everyone. The public, even down to they can pledge money and help contestants. They might send in a bottle of water so they feel safe. You know, or they it, can... it doesn't seem that helpful, really, when you get down to it. <laughs> no, and they do make a point of like, it's like almost prototype that they do and they send these drones in. The drones even says the drones aren't very good, are they? Yeah, because they just run into them really bad. Yeah, and later on, like in the Hunger Games that you know, it's a lot more sophisticated, but this is like going in at the ground level. So it's a bit more dirty, a bit more, a bit smaller, but still as brutal, I think. You reckon? It's awful. The odds are forever in your favor, they say, but they're not because the Hunger Games game master, he, he drops in certain things that might be bad like snakes in this one for mm-hmm. instance right did you like the snaky bit no that was really dumb. it was really um bad cg wasn't it um i think i was just oh, my brain was overtaken with the idea that really okay so what we have is viola davis who's like the game master at this point so the games have been around for 10 years viola davis is the crazy scientist lady who's making up all these weird shit like snakes that if they sniff you ahead of time they won't bite you later, right? right? So she's invented that. And she has this big lab with all this weird shit in jars. And she's got like a little pool underneath her feet full of what look like eels and giant snakes. So she's inventing with great pleasure ways of torturing these children, right? Yes. By using what looks like a billion snakes in a big can that she drops in the middle of the arena. And I was like, that's not interesting at all. Also. The idea that they put one little sniff of somebody's sweat in this tank of a billion snakes and all of them get a whiff of it. You know what I'm saying? I was overthinking it. So I didn't think it looked good. I didn't. I liked her singing while the snakes were trying to attack her. That was kind of good. There's a bunch of singing in this movie. Mm -hmm. That's why it's called Songbirds and Snakes. Snakes and singing. Um, (laughs) Rachel Ziegler, who is the heroine here. She is a real life singer and they do utilize her singing quite a bit, don't they? Yeah. Did you like I didn't mind it actually. Right. It seemed in place for this movie because, you know, there was a song 
that was used in the other movies that is used here. It's kind of like a callback. But like yeah. this is the origin story of the heart of the rebellion right. in general. Yeah, so that made sense. Let's get on to the cast. Talking of Rachel Ziegler. She plays Lucy Gray Baird. She's our new heroine. What do you think? I liked her. I thought she was really um rebel rousing kind of. Um, she wasn't though. That wasn't her call at all. She wasn't at all. She was just trying to get by. And you don't know for sure what her whole thing is. So the story is her character was flirting around with a boy who had a girlfriend whose father was the mayor in one of the districts. Okay. Sounds right. complicated. Well, the girl then had her dad pay to put our heroine girl in the into games. the Hunger Games. Yeah. So that's why she shows up. And so she doesn't really, she's not even from there. She is what old school people would call, well, nowadays they're called travelers, right? So olden times, we would have called them gypsies. She's just in a band of entertainers who travel around all over the place. She happened to be in this district when this happened. And now she's kind of thrown to the wolves or the snakes, basically. Yeah. And she, so she's not in anything. I she's don't, not I, the same as Katniss. No, she hasn't suffered at the hands that we know of. We don't know her origin story. We don't know where she's really from or anything. She's a traveler. And so she just seems to like not want to die. That's basically the bottom line, right? So Yeah. And she has a bit of a fuck you attitude. Yes. Yeah. Which is good. I like that. Got Tom Blythe as Curry, Coriolanus Snow. Oh, that was really good. I did think he was really good too. He elevated it, right? When there are times when it's a little bit hokey feeling, he elevated. He was doing the best acting in the movie. Oh, I thought she was equal. You did? Yeah. I, and I, I liked thinking. his cousin lady, Tigress, as right. well. Yeah. Talking of acting, Viola Davis, she's playing Volumana Gall, and it's like a, it's like a wicked wit. Yeah. Mustache twirling. Mustache twirl buddy. Like, she's really over- enunciating all the words to sound evil right and she's doing crazy shit like experimenting on all kinds of creatures yeah. inventing animals that do evil things yeah so she's almost like a to me she reminded me of like a disney witch yeah you know kinda yeah like stirring the cauldron basically and being really evil and here i'm just gonna digress and sound really shitty but can they never do viola davis's makeup well <laughs> Are they trying to make her look super old? Because she doesn't sure look like that. Yeah. And also, every fucking movie that she's in, they let her makeup run if she's had tears or sweat on her face. Like, no one's touching up her makeup ever. And if you just trust me on this, go back through all the movies. She cries a lot. She has a little snotty nose and doubt. Like, she's, you know, she's done a lot of crying and snotting. Yes. I do not understand why we don't want this woman to look good. Even if she's evil, you can make her look really menacing and interesting. And this is, I was like, it's like the crappy makeup that they put on Scully and Mulder in that one where they got old. And yeah, the it's, it's it not was good. awful. And, it, and because, you know, you're watching a high definition yeah, movie, I when the camera zooms in on her face, you're like, ugh. Yeah, like, I don't even understand. I mean, was she supposed to have been burned or something? I don't even know. So there that was, was no distracting. Was there? there was not. I mean, maybe that's another a book in the future. We'll just keep going backwards and backwards. We've got Hunter Schaefer as Tigris. You'll have seen Tigris in the um, second movie, Catching Fire. Not the same actor. But what do you think? Yeah, I liked her character because she's his cousin. So before he turns into 
President Snow, you know, eventually. Yeah. She's the one who feels for the tributes. She feels for the people. So the backstory of this family, the Snow family, Cornelius, we're going to call him because I keep forgetting his name. His father was a general in the army when they squashed the original rebellion the 10 years before. It. Right. So he was a govern. He was a general for the government. Right. Then when the shit hit the fan and then at some point when his son, this guy who's going to become President Snow, was about five years old, he was murdered or killed by rebels. And so his family, the Snow family, hate rebels and they hate the districts. Somehow our Cornelius guy doesn't super hate them yet. And his cousin, Tigress, also doesn't hate them. She feels for everyone. So they're like a popular family that fell from grace, kind of, sort of. And he's trying to claw his way back to being like important. And his cousin Tigress is like his heart. Yeah. She reminds him to be nice to the tributes. So she's the kind hearted one. I liked her. I thought she was compelling. And then I read more about her character. I'm like, they didn't even utilize her very much. No, they did not. Peter Dinklage turns up as Casca Highbottom. So he's the creator of the Hunger Games along with Snow's dad, right? Right. And as we find out, he's not the creator because he thought it was all like... Wasn't really into it. He thought he was joking when he said, let's let children kill each other. And the (laughs) Mr. President Snow's father thought it was a great idea. And then they just went... So he's basically been drunk and um, consuming, not morphine, but something like it. Yes. For the last I uh, I kind of liked how checked out he seemed. Yeah, he didn't give a shit. And so he wasn't going to try to stop the games. He was just... Uh, teaching everyone how to live with it, I guess. I don't even know. But you could watch this movie and watch Peter Dinklage's performance and you're like, oh, wow, he's so like not there. He feels checked out. But there's a scene at the end where you re- where it's all revealed. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I understand exactly what he was playing. Yeah, like, that character was just waiting to die. Basically. Yeah, I'm just going to keep drinking and I have to do this job. So I'll keep them together. And keep myself together. Why? So I don't get killed or thrown out of it or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Easy he just wanted life. to punish himself forever. Yeah. Jason Schwartzman plays Lucky Flickerman. What do you think of Jason? He's funny. He's the guy who's hosting. He's being, he's the weatherman. That's what's so funny. Take an exaggerated weatherman who gets a little bit of attention to now be the presenter for what essentially is like our old, um, Jerry Lewis telethon. Yes. Right. So he's got the microphone. He's all dressed up and he's the one announcing all the things that are happening. And then he goes and does the weather, which is hilarious. What's even more hilarious is he is weatherman, amateur magician yeah. and host of the Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he mixes them all in. Like he'll do a little magic trick every now and then just for fun. And you can see what I thought was really funny about his performance is how you could see he was trying to perform for the camera because he knew it was about to come on and he was trying to like stand in exactly the right place yeah. so he looked cool you know because they hadn't done it before he was no. like the first host ever yeah so. so i i thought that was really funny i thought he did a good job he also had a lot of very funny lines like his whole thing was funny but let's so, be honest he was a heartless twat he really because was. he really didn't care no. about these children he didn't care at all it was all about ratings it, yeah yeah and I thought, that's there's the bad guy right there. He's like the worst of the, <laughs> at least Stanley Tucci. By the time we get to that point, which we're going to say from all indications that Stanley Tucci's character in the future game movies or the past 
is Loki's son. Right. Yeah. It's what it appears to be. So he, but we get to know him a little bit and he actually has sympathy and he's not, he finds it a bit tasteless, right? And all that. But yeah, this guy does not oh, this give, guy a shit. Don't give a shit. <laughs> And even when uh, somebody gets brutally killed, he, he doesn't really care, does he? He's no, he's like, like, oh, there goes another one. <laughs> we got director Francis Lawrence. He also directed the original, two of the original movies. I Am Legend, Red Sparrow with Jennifer Lawrence. Mm. What do you think of Francis here? I feel like it was good. I mean, I don't know how you put your stamp on something this. No. Kind of epic kind of melodramatic, right? I mean, the shots need to be functional. You don't want any fancy work. You There's not a lot of... There was only one scene where it got a little bit shady with the weird coloration, but everything else was very straightforward. I feel like getting good performances, and there were a lot of good shots, you know, like interesting shots showing us like like the... What's it called? The lecture room where... Yeah. What's his face? Lassiter. <laughs> He's not Lassiter, but you know. That was gorgeous. And the way they kind of roll in and out of different scenes, I thought it looked really good, but I don't know that it has a stamp of anyone specific. And Francis Lawrence, the original Hunger Games, I don't know if you remember this, but it was filmed in that Jason Bourne camp, like where it's all over the place. You've said that, and I don't remember it, so we will have to watch the it again. The first one moves all the time. It's always moving. It's annoyingly moving. The second one, they completely dropped it, and it's the same director, hmm. and it's just like this one is. It's just the very first movie has all that stuff. Um, it kind of makes it weird, doesn't it, when one is completely different than the others? Well, if you get feedback and then you learn from your mistake. I'm glad they did learn, though, yeah. Not As, everybody does. Yes. <laughs> IMDb reviews, what are those? Those are reviews on IMDb. And IMDb is a website where anybody, and I mean anybody, can just go on there and think that their opinion matters just like anybody can make a podcast. I mean, it's kind of gross. Yes. And you love the lowest rated reviews. So these are people who hate it. So here we go. This person says, we watched this on IMAX last night. It was terrible. I don't know what I was expecting, but it certainly wasn't this. Although Zegler was unsurprisingly cheesy and awful. And for some odd reason, they made this film into a semi-musical, which made everything feel awkward. Not a musical. Definitely not. Right. It does have a lot of songs and I get what they're saying because I felt it and I don't mm. love lots of songs like performed inside of movies. But here's the deal. If you're showing if the idea for this particular character, the songbird girl, woman, young woman, they're trying to convince me she's a girl. But clearly the actress lady is older than that. Right. Twenty two. Right. So she's supposed to be like a mm. kid of some description, some age. If the idea is that she is being used by our Cornelius to get people to watch the Hunger Games, and so she starts singing, and she's flirty with the camera, and she's a bit of a rebel, and that draws people to it, then to keep having her perform, to me, made total sense. So I didn't mind at all. He finishes it up with, it remained boring the entire <laughs> run through. Fair enough. Second guy says, weak storyline and awfully slow burn. There does not appear to be any structure to the movie. The storyline jumps all over the place and the writers were just hoping the previous movies would sell tickets. The acting is on par with a B movie. I don't disagree with that completely. I think you're relying very heavily on people who know the gravitas, as snotty people like to say, of all of the story in the future. 
our um, past, right? So I don't disagree with that assessment. And there is a lot missing. Even me looking up Tigress's character, there's a lot to that character that just doesn't exist in this movie. So if you've read the book, you know it. It'll be annoying to you. That, well, <laughs> no, they're relying on you, just your brain filling that in for you instead of them having to tell me about it. And the third person says, awful acting, awful acting from Zegler. I gave her a chance, but the movie is like a musical and the depths of the characters is left down trying to make her more likable. This is pure acting, fame and money in general. That doesn't make sense, but hey. Elevant, yeah. I get what you're saying. No, I don't. They're the IMDb people, the people who hate this movie. Extras, we didn't see any. And conclusion, I'm going to give The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, a 7 out of 10. I think 7 sounds fair. I mean, you don't have to do what I do. <laughs> well, I thought of the 7 first. You just said it first. All Let's right. put it that way. We'll both give it a 7. Then. <laughs> so yeah, 7 out of 10. That's pretty good. Pretty good for the first movie of the year, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Remember how last year started out, but... Next week, thank you to Lionsgate, by the way, for this movie. But next week, we're looking at Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, starring Mr. Leonardo DiCaprio, mm. which looks, it looks like it might be up my street. But we'll see. What's the next name of your street? My street is, uh, you know, no heavy drama. <laughs> Real heavy drama. That's your street? Yes. And you love Star Wars? I do, but I also love heavy drama. <laughs> Anything really heavy. I like that. Heavy Drama Avenue. All right, movie recommendations. I'm going with a couple based off this movie. Catching Fire is my favorite of the original Hunger Games, so I'll give you that one. And the director here also made a movie called I Am Legend with Will Smith, which I also really liked. So I'm going to give did you those Did you? Two. I did, yes. Do you remember it? It was on TV just recently, and I actually ended up watching about half an hour of it. Okay. And I was like, yeah, I still like it. Okay, I guess if I can like 2012, you can like I Am Legend. <laughs> I'll allow it. Correct. Because, <laughs> you know, that's not 2012 isn't great, but for some reason, if it's on, I'll watch it. So Yeah, it's one of those. <laughs> yeah. yes. um, and mine are, I'm going back to the 20th century. So between the years of 1900 and 1999, movies on my list that I've seen that are in the action adventure category. Last year, I told you the years. I'm not telling them the years anymore. I'm just going to tell you. And it's an interesting combination under the genres of action adventure. They don't all make sense to me, but I'm not the one tagging them with genres. So I just made my list. I put it in my spreadsheet. And here we go. Into the Wild. We Fair. know that one. That was Fair about a guy who went into the wild to ditch all of society. And you can watch it and see what happened. The Right Stuff. People go into the moon. Space. The Walk, which I had forgotten, and I forgot again what it was, but do you remember Is the it walk? zombies? I don't think so. Hmm. I don't remember it. Alive, which, yeah. you know, that is the that an adventure? One. Yeah, that's quite an adventure. And Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. Yes. I'm not vouching for the quality of any movies that I am to tell you about over the next 52 weeks. <laughs> 53 weeks, whatever, 52. I've just seen them, and then you're going to hear about it. All right, a scully stuff. I've been playing a little game called My Little Blood Cult. Nice. What do you think of that? I don't know. I don't know what to think. It's called My Little Blood Cult. Let's summon demons. 
I'm playing it on PC. It's a Steam game. And what it is, is a, it's really hard to describe. So I was going to use some of the words off the website to describe it. But how I would describe it is it's a demonic fishing game. <laughs> Does that make, have you ever heard of a get such a thing? Hmm. Now, so I'll give you some of the stuff off the uh, website, how they describe it, because I thought it was interesting. They say, capture demons, monsters, and everything in between to complete your collection and become the most powerful cult known to, known to man. Combine skill and luck to create uh, offerings and fish for hundreds of demons. Fill up your cabinets with unique trophies and use alchemy to transform demons into more powerful demons. Unlock themed worlds and, and altars to collect monsters and demons inspired by history, legend, and pop culture. So basically, you're sticking your hook down this big demonic pit and <laughs> it goes down and you see it go down and then you have to watch it and then it's it's basically a fishing game you're waiting for your hook to get a bite and then you're pulling it up and you'll get something randomly you could get anything from like literally the devil yeah. to and things from actual pop culture to you're basically creating this army of demons making this big cult okay and it's all cartoony. It's not, you know, it sounds evil and demonic. It's not. It's all like pixel art, cartoony. It's really fun so far. And I haven't pulled anything out of the well that is like surprising yet. I've pulled like little things. Um, something that was, I pulled a book out that was not called the Necronomicon, but it was pretty close. So that was cool. So there are lots of things from pop culture. I don't, I don't know how far it goes in that. Maybe you will pull something like a dead out from the evil dead out of there or something. I don't know. So it's called My Little Blood Cult Let's Summon Demons. And it's out now on Steam and mobile, apparently. But I just played the Steam version. Sid Talk, what's for dinner? Well, before I tell you what's for dinner, I can tell you what The Walk was. The movie oh, The Walk. Okay. Tight Rope. Oh, yes. Or, that, yes. That, that was quite good. Yes. Uh -huh. So there. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. Walking it, across from the two it, twin towers. It was a real, it was like, um, based on true story. Based on, there's an actual documentary version about the real guy as well. 1974, it was based in. So that is what yeah. the walk was. Uh, did you say what's for dinner? I did. Why are we telling them? What are we eating? Because we like to. It's part of the show. <laughs> because we're vegetarian maybe, and people still have a thing about people being vegetarian, which is very weird. And I'm maybe you'll get an interesting meal um, idea out of our ideas. Are oh, you saying we're being we're doing a service for the yeah, public? Could okay, be. could be. Well, it's gonna be beans, like baked beans, potatoes, and whatever. So we're vegetarian. Now that is not much of an idea. <laughs> we're not <laughs> vegan because vegan is a whole different thing. That's a philosophy, not a diet. This isn't a diet. We've been vegetarian since two thousand nine, so it's not a phase. We just haven't eaten meat. And do you even care about? It doesn't even occur to you anymore. Doesn't even occur to me now. And what I find is, I've been to restaurants even recently where literally, almost literally, literally, almost every single item has meat in it. And I don't mean like chicken broth in it or whatever, which we also don't eat. I mean, if I don't know what's in there, I guess. But everything from house salads, I've said this before, order a house salad that just says house salad. With our house dressing on it. Okay, great. I'm expecting lettuce, tomato, cucumber, some cheese, maybe. Maybe some pepper on top. No, we've been ham and bacon and 
croutons made with bacon and ham or whatever, whatever the hell it is, brisket burnt ends on top of the salad with no description of that. So it's just a funny world. And I think part of why I like being vegetarian is that it's like an adventure to go out with, to eat with people. They'll say, oh, well, you can't eat anything. I'm like, I can eat anything I want. I could literally chop off my own hand and cook it and eat it. It is, I can eat anything. But if I go into this restaurant, it's like a challenge. It's like a gamified restaurant food where I'm like, okay, how many questions does it take to get the waitress or waiter to give me the information about this food that includes whether or not it has animal parts in it? <laughs> like it's like a it's like a thing because they don't know. A lot of times they don't even know. So it's hilarious. So tonight we're having beans, potatoes, and a plant-based crumble, which is like a browned meat kind of a situation, but it's not meat, obviously. That's really good when you crumble it up. And What's your advice? And then we'll get out of it. My advice isn't advice, really, but it's just an observation that might piss some people off, but that's okay. But, you know, just watching and hearing so many stories in the course of our lives. And again, we tell all the same kinds of stories over and over, don't we, really? So this story in this movie is about like control. There was a war because someone was oppressing someone else and then someone rose up against it and then the oppressors win the war and then control the populace through whatever and the threat of war from outsiders or whatever. Just so you know, there are no wars, no war, zero war is fought to defend a great cause. No leader who has a well-running, reasonably okay populace, okay resources, says, fuck it, we're going to go over there and attack somebody just because we have a good cause, right? This happy country is only going to go to war if someone else thinks they want to take what happy president has, right? Right. And so you're only defending the losers, the fucking assholes, over there who want what you've got. You're defending against that. You don't start a war for a great cause ever. I don't care what you say. I don't care what anybody has ever said. You don't start the fight for a good cause because if you're already in an oppressive situation, right? And you do a rebellion or an uprising against the oppressor, you're not waging war. You're basically trying to get balance back to the, to the universe around you to where everyone's not being oppressed. You're not causing a war for a great cause, right? You're defending against assholes. And that's it. That's, I know I, I'm not the first one to notice this. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but it just really irritates me that people say they go to war for a great cause. No, you don't. You might be defending to protect or defend, you know, from invaders, which is happening now in the world. No, we're not talking about pasts, right? We're talking about people, individual people sitting in offices, making decisions literally to drop bombs on people, tell other people to go murder other people. There is no great cause there. They didn't invade for a good cause. They invaded for their ego and for their greed and for whatever else is fucked up in their head. And if you have to defend against that person, I mean, there's your cause, right? To bring them down and bring balance back to whatever world you live in. So that's it. All right. Thank you very much. Well done. <laughs> Ascully.com. That's the place you can go for this podcast. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're both on there. 
I'm A Scully, She's Sid Talk. You can go to Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Music, and YouTube. We have a YouTube channel with the podcast. You can also email feedback to me, ascully, ascully.com. Do not email Sid Talk with anything you've got, and I will not give you our email address anyway. It's not hard to figure out. <laughs> and stay classy, the Hunger Games. I am actually hungry myself. Aye, and I'm going to say, think for yourself, because if you don't do it, someone's doing it for you. <laughs>